UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Sun is shining in the sky. There ain't a cloud inside. It stopped raining. Everybody's in a play. And don't you know, it's a beautiful new UK Tech Weekly podcast. <laughs> the UK's premier audio shaft of sunlight, warming the cockles of your cockles cockles every Friday. <laughs> the UK Tech Weekly podcast is an infotainment enema from the editors of PC Advisor, Tech World, Mac World UK and Computer World UK. Find us on Acast, on SoundCloud, on iTunes and basically everywhere which you find podcasts. Every Friday we head to an audio accountant, desperately scrabbling around for audio receipts, frantically making up audio costs and audio earnings in a desperate attempt to file an audio tax return that is at least vaguely on time and accurate, in order to bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed tech chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days. Please subscribe to our podcast, review us and tell your friends all about us, if you like us. I'm Matt Egan, Editorial Director of IDG UK, and today I'm delighted to be joined in conversation by the Frank Zappa of tech, Chris Martin, Consumer Tech Editor of PC Advisor. Hello. The Woody Guthrie of IT, Tamlin McGee, Online <laughs> Editor of ComputerWorldUK.com. Hi. And the Mick Hucknell of Mirth, David Price, <laughs> Acting Editor of Macworld UK. Too I've done, far? I've done very badly at that. This week we are talking Nintendo, Davos and Brexit. It's a hard, hard rain that's going to fall. It's just the high cost of loving Nintendo. You can take it or leave it, Nintendo. But you better believe it. Chris Martin, is it time for us all to switch our gaming hardware? Well, yes, uh, it is. Good, um, excellent. There's a new Nintendo console, uh, which obviously has been kind of talked about for quite a long time, but it's now fully announced. We've seen it, we've played with it. Um, you can pre-order it, and it's called the Nintendo Switch. So, describe the Nintendo Switch to me. So, the Nintendo Switch is kind of like a 7-inch tablet um, with all of the internals kind of in the tablet. So, it's got a 6.2-inch uh, HD touchscreen. Um, and then to play it on the TV, like you would with a traditional console, you put it into a little docking station, which stays connected to your TV. And then you use the controllers to play like that. But um, the whole idea is that it's basically modular. So um, you can pull it out of the docking station and use it like a handheld. Um, but you can also take the controllers, uh, which are called Joy-Cons, off the ends of the tablet and use them uh, wirelessly, whether it's docked or not. So there's three modes. There's a TV mode where it's docked, a handheld mode, and there's also the tabletop mode. So it's got a little kickstand on the back um, and you can use it like that as well but our question so, what does it cost it's 279 pounds um which is a little bit more than people were expecting partly just because there was a rumor saying it would be 199 uh, so that didn't help but um i don't think it's that bad lots of people were like well that's too much partly because the playstation 4 and xbox one are quite cheap now mm. but then they've been around for ages so i think that's a slightly unfair comparison um so the price will come down you presume Oh, it will come down pretty quick, yeah. I mean, I bought the Wii U um, when it came out four years ago at full price and was kind of uh, pretty gutted a few months later when it dropped quite We're supposed to take advice from this guy. Um, so, and how does that cost compare to... So it, so it compares to uh, consoles in that way. Um, but I suppose like what you're describing is something that's... Uh, uh, you could That's a bit like a, a tablet almost. Almost like, uh, David, looking at you... Uh, an iPad to an extent. It doesn't sound it, as good as an iPad. Well, it may not have the um, variety of use 
but uh, I suppose or maybe like a Kindle Fire or something like that that's 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 tied to Amazon. Yeah, um, but it's expressly for gaming. Yeah, at two seven nine, it still feels potentially a little bit expensive if we think of it in that way. It's yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult. You can look at it from lots of different angles. I mean, if you look at it from the point of view that it's just a console, it looks quite bad. If you look at it from the point of view that it is like a console and a handheld, so if you add up the price of a console and a 3DS, then I think that would probably yeah. go over. But not every DS game is going to come out on the Switch. So, Because I haven't tried it. Is it as nice to play in those different modes? Is there going to be... Because I really like the idea of a, of a console and a handheld. Yeah. But is it like one of them is the poor cousin? And you're like, well, this isn't as good as so, on the TV or whatever. Like two of two of them are the main ones. So obviously yeah. the TV when it's docked, and and the handheld where the controllers are attached to the tablet. Yeah. But and it, which looks very similar to your iPad solution. Yeah, I've got an M M M five or is it M F I controller that docks on either side of the iPad. Yeah. So it's got little controllers on it, which is yeah, you're right. So it looks very similar to that. Um, the tabletop mode is the one that's a bit pants, partly because you're playing on a screen that's very small and then you've got the controller which is very small as well so it's all a bit fiddly um so you need to sit quite close to it but so probably fine if you're like on the train or uh like on a aircraft or something like that where you're sitting quite close to it but if you're you wouldn't be able to sit across the room from it yeah. Because it is only six point two inches, it's not so it's, you know. It's, it's a only nice bonus mode. It's though. only just bigger than a lot of phones. So if you imagine it like that, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it maybe not too bad if you're playing like a one player game, but for example, the new Mario Kart game, like if you want to play two player split screen, it's just it, it's ridiculous. So what? Uh, where would this place in? Uh, we kind of talked about where it fits in the market, but in, in Nintendo's range, I mean, is it? I suppose this is the new thing. It, it's a handheld, but it's also a full-blown games console. And is it yeah. is it like a Wii in the sense that it's kind of more about social gaming, or is it, you know, who's it aimed at? It's basically it is aimed at everybody because the the launch the main launch title is Zelda Breath of the Wild, um, which I know David's excited about. So excited about that. But the problem with that is it's was supposed to be a Wii U game. So it's a bit lame that it's they, now... They always do that. Twilight Princess yeah. was a GameCube game, but yeah. then became a Wii uh, launch title. It, it, it is kind of... I don't mind that it's a launch title on the Switch, but it's the main launch title. Yeah. So there's no Mario game, right? So the, the new Mario game is Mario Super Mario Odyssey, but that's not coming out until Christmas, which is like eight, nine months but again, we were, we after were, the console. We were just talking about this, about the, the original Wii, and the original Wii was a very successful launch. That didn't have um, a Mario game at launch. Um, Did it not? No, it didn't. Um, Paper Mario came out sort of six months after, and Mario Galaxy was about a year after. Um, so, But they, it came with those sports and stuff yeah, like that. So that's it had, the killer. That's what people bought it for. Definitely. Right? So there's, there's a set of mini games for the Switch called 1-2 Switch, um, which kind of highlight... They're like a showcase for the Joy-Con controllers and and the the Joy-Con controllers have something called HD Rumble, which is just really advanced vibration motors. So you, you, there's a little mini game where you've... Uh, it feels like you're moving a box around um, in 3D space, moving balls around inside it, and you've got to guess how many balls there are inside. And the HD Rumble really 
impressively makes it feel like the controller has balls rolling around inside it. Um, that sounds pretty cool. But this mini, like, so it's a set of mini games. Some of them are completely stupid, like you've got to milk a cow, um, <laughs> um, and stuff yeah, like that. But of... but it doesn't come with the console. It feels like a set of mini games that should be preloaded. Is it kind of WarioWare esque? Kind of, yeah. Um, and it's like a forty quid standalone game, and they're the kind of games you're going to get bored of, like after yeah. a couple of weeks. So it's a little bit of a shame. Hmm. Um, so we you're sort of generally saying it's a bit of a weird one in a way it's kind of yeah we, we kind of spent half the day at the launch um last week and i kind of found myself really excited at times and really disappointed at times and is is the game support going to improve are there are there titles coming along that are going to sell it hopefully yeah so there are i mean so there is only four launch titles which is um a bit of a problem um let me just get up this image of all the games that are coming this year. So to start with, there'll be Zelda, 1-2-Switch, Skylanders, um, Just Dance, and Bomberman. That's all that's coming uh, on launch day, which is March the 3rd. Then there's other games called like Arms um, coming later in the year. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is basically no different to the one that's been out on the Wii U for ages, is coming in April Splatoon 2, which isn't hugely different from the originals coming in the summer. Um, and then, yeah, you've got a bunch of other third-party games. Interesting. What, uh, Nintendo seems to be quite busy these days. Would that be right? I mean, there, there seem to be a lot of products coming out of Nintendo. Uh, I think they're just getting maybe more coverage. Um, like, <laughs> I, I guess the whole Super Mario Run thing has made Nintendo a bit more in the spotlight, I think. And Whereas, that's definitely not going to come out on uh, Switch. What, Super Mario Run? Yeah, because there was a weird rumour for a bit. Even I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but there was a weird rumour for a while oh, that right. they were going to also launch that on Switch. As a I didn't know that, but no, I didn't. they've not said anything like that. <laughs> Did you but start that, that rumour, David? <laughs> I promise I didn't. That would seem very strange. I think the fact that they've started mobile games has just mean that they're getting a bit more yeah. coverage and previously maybe bit more Nintendo fanboys would be they are they are good at offering something different that's the thing is that you always yep. have the yeah. very distinct aren't they Nintendo yeah products. you have the Xbox and the PS you know whatever X whatever base, the current one is Xbox and they will one. just be offering slightly different specs whatever they're basically identical um, yeah. well they're basically <laughs> essentially gaming PCs locked yeah. into um, yeah. with, with slightly different platform exclusive gaming libraries and then Nintendo this time they again they've tried to offer something different just as they did with the Wii and the Wii U the Wii U gimmick don't Think really worked, yeah, it didn't pull. They, they, they didn't trying, pull yeah. off the Wii U. It, this is like an improved version of the gamepad, essentially. Yeah. If you have a Wii U, um, I love the idea of the Wii U. The idea of yeah. having asymmetric gaming controls is really clever, but didn't really. But, I mean, Wii was a massive success, oh, wasn't it? Because, because it just again it, it it moved away from that idea of a kind of arms race of um, hardware yeah. and into the idea of gaming that's fun for everyone. Yeah. You don't have to define yourself as a gamer. To We've got a Nintendo Wii that we probably get out three times a year when nephews and nieces are visiting, and it's always great fun. And yeah. you know, this is um, So the, the Joy-Con controllers slot onto the sides of the tablet. So you do have two controllers um, in the box from the off, which is quite good. Um, but going back to the price, the accessories are priced like a little bit high so if you want another set of joy-con controllers that's 75 quid um and the the controller called the grip that you slot the con 
the Joy-Cons on to kind of make a traditional controller doesn't charge them. And obviously they're going to need power to work wirelessly. So you've got to buy the Joy-Con grip with a USB port <laughs> to be able to charge them while you're playing, which is 25 quid. So you're mm. talking like 100 quid mm. extra just to have two traditional controllers or four player just using a Joy-Con each. You think they'll do a better bundle some somewhere? Hopefully, the or they just realise that those prices are a bit ridiculous. But interesting. Uh, let's close this conversation off by uh, going around the room and uh, deciding between Nintendo or <laughs> Nintendo. No. Uh, <laughs> Tamlin McGee. Um, Nintendo, I guess. Same price. Yeah, Nintendo. Chris Martin. Yeah, I wish there was a Mario game, but still Nintendo. Excellent. Okay, that's three, three, uh, three positives. Okay, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we will be talking about matters of the world. If I were a rich man, yaha deedle deedle ba 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 deedle deedle dum, all day long I'd biddy biddy bum. If I were a rich rich man, Tamlin McGee, what's Stavros doing with all the rich men, and what the hell has it got to do with tech? So it's the World Economic Economic Forum 2017, the kind of annual meeting of the international ruling class, you could call it. (laughs) (laughs) Stars, you get mean to go on. Well, you know, it's true. Um, So it's it's just if you don't know, it's where you know business leaders, billionaires, and politicians, and some strands of academia all come and. It does sound hideous. Yeah. I bet the food uh, is good, though. I bet the food is amazing. Um, but anyway, they, they kind of debate uh, what they expect will be the issues over the next few years. And this year, there's a lot of talk about technology. And one of the official uh, topics is the fourth industrial revolution. Sure. Which specifically is automation, AI, and kind of the impact on society that this is going to have. Yeah. And the impact. So you get you get various different uh, arguments around that, you know, that it's going to take all of our jobs, uh, which is possible, but then has been uh, a concern ever since the spade was developed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also, I guess, you know, tech, I suppose, has the potential to lift people out of poverty, but doesn't seem to in the way the economy Global economy works. Well, te- te- technology is neutral, right? It's, right. It's, it's like, like a hammer. You could use it to yeah. build something or you could bludgeon someone with it. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, <laughs> I do. But, um, but yeah, it, I think it's quite fascinating because you've got all these billionaire technocrats, people like Ginny Romity, the, the chairwoman and CEO of IBM, and Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. Technocrats. I love that. That's brilliant. Billionaire well, technocrats. They should make a Disney film for the technocrats. Yeah. <laughs> But um, they're all they're all debating the far-reaching impacts of things like AI and automation, and yet they can't really seem to see the, the wood from, from the trees. Uh, the other unofficial topic, well, the unofficial topic um, at Davos this year is the rise of populist parties and how yeah. do how do kind of neoliberal uh, globalized leaders respond to this? Uh, and again, it's it's quite amusing because they don't really see the role the the part they've played. Yeah. In contributing to this. Sure. You know, people being left behind and yeah. so on. Disenfranchisement. Mm-hmm. But um there was a the CEO from CA Technologies, a B2B enterprise company, for instance, I, f- I forget his name, but um he was asked by someone at the Guardian, I think, what well, what do we do about rising inequality? And he completely dismissed the idea that it's got 
the, the main, main issue of the day has anything to do with inequality. Right. There was the Oxfam report that came out recently that said, you know, eight people own as much as own as much wealth as half of the planet. Uh, and he suggested that the thing we should be doing is plugging the skills gap and training people to code. And it's just like, okay, say say seven billion people can code now. What then? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That there's there is uh, at least a perception. And I think it's a fair perception that you know there's this very uh, elite bubble of people working in specifically U.S. tech mm-hmm. um, who you know. Uh, are doing amazing world-changing things but don't seem to appreciate fully that there isn't really a trickle-down from this mm-hmm. sort of fabulous bounty um, and that does make people feel kind of left behind and disenfranchised. And there's, there's a very, I think there's a very strong Ayn Rand sort of um, oh, yeah. libertarian strain. Mm. I mean, quite quite explicit sometimes amongst these, as you say, billionaire technocrats. Well, our favourite Peter Thiel, who is, you know, yeah. the, the vampiric Peter Thiel working on getting... The blood of an eighteen-year-old in his veins, so he can live forever or whatever. <laughs> uh, he's he's specific, like he's out, out outwardly a libertarian. Uh, he's got concepts like seasteading. I don't know if you've heard of that, but mm-hmm. he, he wants to create a artificial island uh, that would be a haven for billionaires, but based <laughs> based in international waters. So you've got no pesky things like human rights or like Jurassic Park laws. Could yeah, be a good absolutely. TV show. Uh, it would, it would. One I billionaire and five hundred workers on an island. What happens next? You know. they, yeah, they hate regulations, though. They'll do anything to avoid sort of labour laws and the rest. Mm. You've been billionaires to do, bro. I, well, I, I, not at all, actually, because you, you both mentioned now this list of the eight people that own as much as 3.7 billion people, whatever. Mm. But, like, half of the people on that list were noted, uh, what's the word? Uh, philanthropists. philanthropists. Like, you know, Bill Gates is on there. He's, he's given away, like, 90% okay. of his money. <laughs> clearly, that doesn't make up for everything that's going on wrong in the world but, but it was a, it was an odd group of people to pick on but 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 also people like bill gates they they do a lot of work in and he's he's talking at davos about ebola and fighting epidemics and disease and stuff which is of course laudable but at the same time these people with all this wealth also dictate national policy and have way yeah. too much influence in terms of well, it's, it's, education for example it's unseen influence isn't it so i mean actually i've got a bit more time for gates than for most Certainly, latterly. He's, he's behind a, a global drive to privatise education. Right. So I don't feel that much sympathy for being on that. picked on. But, <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I think, I, I think as David says, there is, there is something laudable about, you know, once you've amassed this massive wealth, deciding, and probably for his own mental health as much as anything else, that the way to spend it is trying to solve specific problems. Right. Um, I've got more time for that than someone like Zuckerberg, who is very publicly a philanthropist, but then doesn't pay any tax. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of so that's like stepping outside of the uh, responsibilities of the normal citizen and kind of saying my view of what's important is more important than, mm-hmm. you know, well, the, the mass. It's it's easy to, to blame individual people, but yeah. it's kind of, of course, yeah, it's kind of just a result of the way things go, you know, um, capital accumulates and. And um... Well, that's the other thing I was saying about Gates, actually, is because the other reason behind his philanthropy is he doesn't want his kids to be fantastically wealthy off the back of him. He wants them to have enough money never to have to worry, but mm-hmm. he wants them to have to do something. Because another big problem with all of this is, of course, and, it, and we're all saying this, not being in this situation, but if you if you have incredible wealth and your child inherits that incredible wealth, that gap between rich and poor continues to get bigger in quite an unhealthy way because that child hasn't done anything. And it's not their fault, but, you know, it doesn't create a, a functional, 
healthy society mm-hmm. to have those divisions. But I, I think the, the fact that these people have so much power, even if they're trying to spend it for yeah. whatever's good, is, you know, it is no one individual should have that much influence, in my opinion. But anyway, getting back to Davos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Satya Nadella and, and Ginny Romati were on a panel about artificial intelligence, which was pretty interesting to me. Uh, first of all, because they seeded that jobs will get lost, you know, when there are sufficient developments in AI and, AI and automation, there will be winners and losers. And they said this outright. And their their solution again was, you know, we, we've got to we've got to train people to develop and code, but you, you, you've got you've got to wonder at, at what point that stops being a useful thing well, to I say. I never understand where that is. Like, so my grandfather worked six days a week. Mm. That was the standard if you're a working class person. And now we now people generally work. Well, I say people generally work. The the expected norm would be a five day week. I appreciate lots of people don't work a standard five day week. Wouldn't it just be, and this is completely naive and utopian, but surely as as tech takes on more of the menial things we have to do, just make it normal that people work four days a week. That's absolutely true, in my opinion. And it, I mean, two proposed idea um, solutions to, to automation are things like the universal basic income and a shortened work week or job sharing or, or whatever, you know, sharing the wealth that comes from these labor saving technologies and distributing it so people are free to pursue work that's meaningful to them or, yeah. you know, get extra money by doing work that you might not want to do, like being a dustbin man or whatever. Well, I mean, because the fact is we're all, relatively speaking, winners, certainly on a global scale, mm-hmm. but we all probably spend too much time working. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, certainly I feel like I don't see my Sat- family enough. Sat- Satya Nadella specifically uh, referenced Rousseau's social contracts, which I thought was quite interesting. And he also mentioned the labour movement and the fact that we take for granted things like the five-day week. Mm. Um, but what's you know the contradictions in terms there are the fact that here's a guy hinting that we could maybe work less and have a universal basic income, but who's going to fund it? I can't see Microsoft willingly paying a massive yeah. wedge of tax. To... Also, how did he get to be the uh, CEO of Microsoft? It wasn't by working a four-day week, mm-hmm. I can assure you. So it's kind of one of these things. And, I, I, you know, on a, on a macro level, I I relate to that because I've worked hard to, you know, have a nice job. Um, and then I kind of feel philosophically that the right thing would be if we all worked less for less, but, you know, had a more well, kind the of... Problem, the problem is, is that we don't use work anymore as a means to produce goods. We use mm-hmm. it as a way of measuring how much we deserve to get mm-hmm. from our bounty. Well, we, so we it's don't. Compa- it's well, been outsourced to the global has, south. Like. Well, yeah, it, it has been decided also. It's been imposed on us that if you work less days, then you deserve to get less things. Mm-hmm. Even though it shouldn't be. It should just be, um, you're, you're absolutely right, we don't Fewer need to days. work five days. <laughs> we <laughs> don't need to work five there's, days. There's, there's an essay uh, from David Graeber. Um, I'm not personally a fan of him, but it's called... Is he the called... uh, Babylon guy? No, that's David Gray. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> it's called it's called something like on the phenomena of bullshit jobs and he kind of documents this tendency as you were saying david like in the west to create roles for the sake of having yeah. work to go to yeah when it's actually socially completely unnecessary and all the socially necessary work that's going on is you know farming that you can't see or like backbreaking labor in sudan oh, or whatever, it feels generally. awkward right now doesn't it the four of us sitting around here so this is meaningful work. this is very meaningful work. <laughs> recording podcasts it's agitprop okay so our 12 <laughs> listeners <laughs> okay um so uh, but i thought the thing that i saw from davos is that pokemon's going to solve poverty 
Oh, Jamie Oliver. Oh, Jamie oh, Oliver. Oh, don't start the Jamie Oliver thing again. <laughs> yes, he's there. He's he's working on apps to, to end world hunger or something. I think he's just using the app, isn't he? Didn't, uh, Is to- Tony Curtis? I've got that name. No, no, uh, Richard Curtis. Adam Curtis. Love actually Richard died. Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> Not Tony Curtis, the actor who died about 20 years ago. No, he's... he's. I mean, he did some great work against poverty, but not for the last couple of decades. Yes. Like his work in Spartacus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Richard Curtis, the uh, the four-winning Love Actually guy. He's uh, got some sort of Pokemon game. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I read the headline and just sighed deeply and yeah. closed the tab. So yeah. well, I, I would trust him, because ever since he made Poverty History, um, everything is much better, so... It's good that you, you trust who? Richard Curtis. Would oh, you trust Jamie always, Oliver? Always being satirical. Again, um, this feels mean, though, doesn't it? Because again, it is that sort of thing where so they do the comic relief stuff, don't they, Richard Curtis yeah. and those people? And yeah, it's kind of um, on the one hand, fabulously wealthy people spending a certain amount of their time making money that kind of mitigates against extreme poverty. You, you sort of can't criticize them for doing it, but it's not solving any problems, and it's kind of. I don't know. Going back to AI again, sorry. Um, I have it on good authority, a rumour that a very well-known technology company has a team of economists uh, tucked away in their offices and they're working on um, scenarios and simulations whereby disruptions with AI could massively impact the jobs market. I I can't say any more because it's not confirmed, but apparently this very well-known company is trying to figure out just how much society will be disrupted by these things. And it's in, we're talking about millions of jobs. I think the, the most obvious example is uh, self-driving fleets in, in America. Mm-hmm. So truck driving is one of the uh, biggest sources of employment in the, in the States. Once you've got logistics completely automated, what happens there? And I'm not saying that's bad and we should reject it, but we've got to do something to cope with the fallout. Yep. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> that, that bombshell. Sorry. Let's go around the room. Uh, Dav Gloss or, or Dav Dross. Uh, actually, I think we'll solve this once and for all. Uh, Tamlin McGee. Dav Dross. David Price. Dav Dross. Chris Martin. Dav Dross. We've got a lot of consensus in this, uh, this podcast. Let's see if we can uh, end that with the final section, which is coming up after this. It's the final countdown. Who's that song by? Europe. Yes. Oh. David Price. <laughs> Boris Johnson is making apps more expensive. Oh, I'm so what annoyed gives? with all the people involved in this. Boris Johnson, Farage. Just I find with Nigel Farage, so every time I say his name, I think of a clown car's horn. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Farage, Nigel Farage. And it seems a lot less offensive when you but he, But he's not a comical figure anymore. No. He's now causing actual harm. Was he yeah. ever a comical figure? I used to find him a comical figure. Maybe I was wrong. That Maybe was your I way of coping him. with it. David loves a bit of knockabout racism. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't used to be that bad. This comes back to Jamie Oliver. When Jamie Oliver yeah, said his thing about how... Oh, messing things up. Well, exactly, but back in those days, UKIP were light-hearted. It wasn't as bad. <laughs> anyway, I've, um, I've got away from the topic, which is App Store prices, which are going up in this country um, by about 25%. And the reason is... Um, I mean, the reason is the weakness of the pound, but the reason for the weakness of the pound is Brexit. Yeah. So thanks to Boris and Gove as well. I forgot him. He's mm. he's maybe the worst. Yeah, he's a bit oily. Hayden. He's described by David Cameron as a Maoist once. Was he? Yeah. It, uh, Gove got very interesting. Again, this is a completely off topic, but he was like he was a union guy, wasn't he? Uh, 
way way back in history he's got a lenin bust in his office as well very strange yeah i saw him king's name is used to be a communist i saw him (laughs) sat in a pub near my house once on his own did you smack him no (laughs) he looked a bit sad he should be sad you should never smack anyone tavern come on violence isn't the answer you should have told him what you thought of him i encouraged my daughter to cry a lot uh she's quite young uh, just to disrupt his lunch I didn't <laughs> but that would have seemed like anyway uh, is it like so sometimes these price rises happen and the justification is given as the weakness of the pound or whatever is it fair yeah I think so a lot a lot of people have been uh, giving Apple grief over its particular price rises and this isn't the first one of course they um, they raised the prices on the max about 20% uh, a few months ago, the and the most famous example is the Mac Pro, which was three years old at the time, went up by five hundred pounds overnight, um, which is you know it, it, it hits you in the belly really. That sort of unless you bought it the day before it went up, then you'd be pleased, I suppose. Yeah, you could, um, uh... But then you were probably quite unwise to buy a three-year-old Mac Pro anyway at that point. <laughs> uh, but they they've been doing it systematically, and people have been saying uh, Apple are price gouging, but other companies um, are doing. The same sort of thing, and Toblerone. Uh, yeah, less chocolate. Yeah. Uh, it's you, you wonder at what point are people going to stop blaming the companies that put the prices up or reduce the amount of chocolate and start blaming the um, policies. Kind of both leading to. Yeah, probably, but I mean, it it is it is a matter of yeah. fact that the pound is incredibly weak. Mm. The exactly, the pound has dropped by eighteen and a half percent. We are a small country, whether we like it or not, and we are we have our own currency, and we have our especially with things like actually with apps, they need to be localized for our country yeah. um, often. So yeah, there is a cost. I mean, to be fair to Apple, which I never am, <laughs> they often get this, but they're very pragmatic about pricing. Yeah, they they make a certain big profit margin on everything. And they don't they don't gouge specific countries. They just work out. So it's very dispassionate capitalism. Um, there's no there's no kind of there's no desire within Apple to uh, put prices up in order to make a greater profit because that doesn't help them. No, so they want to make the same profit all yeah, the time. Yeah. And it, actually, it isn't just the UK this time around either. The um, the prices have gone up in Turkey and India as well. Because the, uh, and this shows us the, the level we're at, the Turkish lira is also weak. So their prices have gone up. That's, you know, that's where we're at. There's that amazing um, story in Turkey where the uh, the president um, is encouraging people, basically incentivizing people with gifts of things like washing machines if they uh, change dollars into uh, Turkish lira, um, which is, yeah. That's economics for you, isn't it? Nobody understands it. Uh, And the uh, the Indian prices have gone up uh, because they've got some new regulations in India that affect it somehow. So the prices of that have gone up as well. Um, But yeah, everybody's doing it. It hasn't happened yet, has it? No, that's a a good point to make. Um, The news broke on the 17th uh, and they said it'd be about a week. They haven't been specific about what... So quickly go and buy Super Mario Run now. (sighs) Well, I mean, I wouldn't recommend that because oh. um, it's not got an offline mode, as we <laughs> discussed on about seven consecutive podcasts. But if you're thinking of getting it, yeah, you so, can do it now. So this or is a, any other apps. There's, yeah, there's a bunch of apps. It's iOS and it's Mac. Um, so if you were considering buying a costly app for either mm. of those platforms uh, from the app stores, then you should probably do it sooner rather than later because it's about to go up. Um, it's possible that they won't go up because what they've actually done is they've increased the price at each tier. So the 79p tier has gone up to 99p, so that'll be the same as in... Oh, so you, as a publisher, you could drop it down to... The... Exactly, you could yeah. choose to a different tier, but I, I mean, but I But your assume, profit margin will be hit, presumably. Yeah, I assume most people won't do that. 
Um, but yeah, the one you're talking about, the Mario Run, is obviously a free game, but the in-app purchase costs seven ninety nine to get all the uh, worlds. That that tier is going to go up to nine ninety nine. We haven't had confirmation from Nintendo whether they'll keep it at the same tier, but they presumably would. So that's going to be a tenner, which is I know a lot of people are already saying that Mario it was already quite game. a lot. So yeah, yeah, I got it for free. So, <laughs> so <laughs> humble brag. Um, <laughs> Thanks to me, you got it for free. That is true, actually. You let me do the review. So. Leaving aside apps and Toblerons, um, have we seen any more of this uh, in the tech world? Well, yeah, the, the direct comparison would be uh, Google Play, which is uh, where you get your Android apps. And they, they've gone up too. In fact, they went up much sooner because um, Google Play, its pricing is much more elastic. It, do, it doesn't have such a rigid structure. They went up ages ago by sort of comparable, I think not quite as much, but comparable amounts. I mean, they're generally cheaper anyway, but... Everybody else is doing it. Um, Dell, Microsoft, they've all announced price rises. Um, the VR, because we talked about last year being the year of VR, but both the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive, uh, the Rift went up 50 quid because of Brexit, uh, and the Vive went up £70 because of Brexit. One plus was that? Yeah, the OnePlus 3 went up uh, only by 30. 20. Uh, 20, was it? I got that from your article. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's Don't why I said anything, it. That's, why, <laughs> yeah. that's why I said it with a slight hesitancy. <laughs> you did that Australian um, inflection. Yeah, yeah. 20, twenty pounds. So that, that's yeah. like less than ten percent. But yeah, they're yeah. all they're all getting pricing. One plus did go about that quite well though. They said it was going to happen. They said it's going to happen on this day. So you've got a few days to buy the phone at the current price, which is which is good marketing, um, but also fair because they will be buying components. Yeah. So the cost of the device and shipping the device yeah. doesn't immediately go up. That's, and no. to be fair to Apple, again, it's the same thing. You know, it's a long-term decision because it doesn't cost them more today than it did yesterday yeah. to sell an app into the UK. But they've got to look at long-term trends. Uh, they don't have to, but they are going to because they're a fantastically profitable company. I think I didn't mention it earlier because I knew about this section, but this is one of the reasons why I think the Nintendo Switch price is perhaps not quite as yeah. low as people were expecting. Although Nintendo will make most of the money from the games. You would think so. Despite no Mario game, but you know, it's, it's <laughs> ne- they've never been about making money from hardware as such. Yeah, but it yeah, so, incorporates presumably. So, and I think yeah, I think a lot of people that were upset about the Switch price weren't taking that into account. Well, understandably, but yeah, they've it'd be manufactured in China, shipped over here, and then the 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 pound will be converted back into presumably yen, uh, and. The difference in in currency is what um, affects the renminbi. Is that the Chinese currency? It is, but isn't uh, I, I may be completely wrong? But isn't Nintendo a Japanese company? Of course. <laughs> yeah. I was you think it's all the same, don't you, Dave? I don't. Your, your I thought you were doing it. I, I was catching you out. Unbelievable. So right, I let's think... change the subject. Yeah. Prices. <laughs> the prices may go down again. <clears throat> There's a thing, because um, uh, Apple officially, you know, they respond to currency fluctuations with price changes that can go in either direction. Right. Uh, it has, as far as I'm aware, never happened in this country. Mm. But I looked it up, and it did happen in Australia once, um, that their prices went down because the Australian dollar was strong. So it could happen that prices will go down again. Uh, if this Brexit thing pans this out. This time for Brexit, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking so great, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely the case with a lot of companies, isn't it? and I probably would include Apple in this, is that they... They quietly don't necessarily drop the prices when those fluctuations change, <clears throat> but they still got to sell the products, haven't they? So you yeah. know, presumably fewer people will buy, so it's not quite the uh, the clear cut decision you might think. It is going to be hurting them, just as this is hurting every company that operates in this country. 
except maybe the people that make Union Jack flags to hang outside. <laughs> Are you going to hate me for picking on people now again? The Brexit voters. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, would, it wouldn't hurt yeah. a company who is based in this country and gets revenue in dollars, for instance. Yeah. Like us. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we also get revenue in pounds, but you know, good. so you'd hope it balances out. Anyway, let's go around the room. Uh, taking back control or missing an open goal? Uh, Tamlin McGee. Open goal. David Price with his UKIP tendencies. <laughs> I don't know what to... I'm neutral on this. I think it's a fair thing to do, but I don't think it's a good thing. I mean, it's annoying, but it's fair. What's, like, the, what's the in-between? Well, like the referendum, you've got to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> that no, is the that's that's not true. You could spoil the ballot. That's what I did. What? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Ask him how. I mean, he might, he might not want to say this on the podcast. How did you spoil the ballot? <laughs> Tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, neither of them. I'm going to... I'm going to spoil my ballot. I'm spoiling this, I'm spoiling Chris this Martin, podcast. Taking back control or missing an open goal? Missing an open goal. So unfair. Thanks for listening to this edition of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Do get in touch, let us know your thoughts and opinions and to shake us down for hopefully US cash. Or indeed, if you're interested in advertising, you can tweet us at UK Tech Podcast or email editor at idg.co.uk. We will be back next week with more informed and uninformed opinion on the hottest topics in tech. So until then, find us on Acast, iTunes, SoundCloud and all the other places for which you source podcasts. Subscribe, review us and tell your friends. Until next week, say goodbye, guys. Bye. 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 UK Tech Weekly Podcast.